Welcome to Alchemy's podcast, Ideas That Matter, where we meet with people making a difference in education. In today's episode, Julia Winter sits down with the creator of Compound Interest, Andy Brunning, to discuss how his infographics have made an impact. Compound Interest is a site that aims to take a closer look at the chemical compounds we come across on a day-to-day basis, explaining them with easy-to-understand graphics. I'm Julia Winter with Alchemy, and I'm here with Andy Brunning of Compound Interest, Compound Interest, Compound Chemistry. We get confused. So give me a little backstory before we go forward. Which one are you or are you both? And where did it come it, from? It is, it is Compound Interest, um, but the website is compoundchem.com because I think when I was setting it up, I figured if I made it compoundinterest.com, I'd just get loads of hits from people looking for the economic form of compound interest. As it turns out, I still get routinely on Facebook a message every month or so about how to calculate compound interest. And I have to very politely point out that they're probably on the wrong Facebook page. Oh, okay, good. Well, that that answers that question. That was like the top of my marketing team's question. So I have to go back. I was a 20-year school teacher um, teaching chemistry. I know that's your background, so I would love to hear the origin story. Sure. So Compound Interest is a website on which I make a variety of different posters, infographics, whatever you like to call them where I discuss various different facets of everyday chemistry. So highlighting the chemistry of different foods and different chemical compounds that cause certain effects, um, or looking at kind of current news stories and the chemistry behind those, or even just current events and things like that. So it covers a whole host of topics. Uh, From the the moment, for example, there are loads of graphics on the site about the International Year of the Periodic Table. So I'm doing a graphic for every single element in the periodic table along with the Royal Society of Chemistry. And I've been doing it for about five years now, a little over five years actually. In fact, I think it's coming up to six years in December. I originally started Compound Interest whilst I was teaching. So I was a teacher in the UK for five years and I taught students, uh, for those who aren't aware of what age secondary school is in the UK, it's uh, students from the ages of 11 all the way up to students aged 18. Uh, so quite a wide age range. And Compound Interest was a website that I started in part to kind of create contextual links to the chemistry that students were studying with you know more kind of everyday things they encountered and helping them see those connections. Chemistry students can be a little tough sometimes. Yeah. Were they as excited about the pieces that you were making as you were? There was definitely some variability, I think. Um, But yeah, no, they did they did at least do a good job of seeming interested uh, when I had them up in the classroom. I eventually got to the point, you know, whilst that was originally the, the genesis story of how compound interest began, eventually I obviously got to the point where I had way, had way too many graphics on the site and not enough classroom space. So it wasn't as if I had the whole series of them up. Uh, and then it kind of grew a life of its own and became kind of like a second thing that I was doing alongside teaching. What did your um your headmaster or the hires up at your school think about your side gig? Uh, I was quite lucky actually in my first school that I was teaching in because the first when I was in the starting compound interest, the school that I was in, uh, the headmaster was actually a chemist as well. So he was he was quite interested in the whole thing. In fact, he still follows me on Twitter and retweets re- retweets. Yeah, I think it's retweets. Cut that out. And then, <laughs> He still follows me on Twitter and retweets the posts from the Compound Interest account. So um, I'm guessing, yeah, he approves. 
Does he miss you though? You have left the classroom, correct? I have, yeah. So I'm that I actually left that school um, a few years prior to leaving the classroom. So that was a school uh, in Bournemouth I was teaching in, and then I taught for a few years at a school in Cambridge. And I have now, as you say, left teaching, uh, but I'm still involved in chemistry education because I work for one of the exam boards um, in the UK, basically. Um, and it oh, okay. would probably take a lot of time to go into the detail of what exam boards are for people who don't know, and it's not necessarily the most thrilling conversation. So when, did you, when did you leave the classroom? I left in 2016 to follow this, my new path. I'm just, because we started about the same time I started my journey in 2013, sort of fell into it. Now I'm CEO of Alchemy and away we go. But I think we're almost a similar lockstep. Am I correct? Yes, I've been out of the classroom for two years now um, okay. in my current job. Um, and then I still carry on doing the compound interest stuff on the side of that. Okay, well, that's interesting. So here's my question. And this came up last week. You came up with the Nobel Prize, the lithium-ion batteries within, I swear, seconds of the announcement. Did you have things, like, were you betting? Like, people were, like, thinking, who's going who's gonna to get it? Did you have things already ready, or were you, had to come up from scratch? With, I was uh, quite lucky in the, case of, in the case of the lithium-ions one, I was quite lucky because I ha do have graphics which I've done previously which have focused on different aspects of lithium-ion lithium batteries. So I had one which I'd done for Chemical Engineering News a few years back, which was back when, if you remember, they had the exploding batteries um, oh, yeah. okay. in the news. So we did one on that, so I had some kind of general graphics for it. Um, and I'd also done one um, looking at um, some research which was on kind of improvements that are being made to lithium-ion batteries. So yeah, in that case, I was quite lucky. I was quite pleased when I saw that lithium-ion batteries had won it. One, because it's a really nice kind of everyday application of chemistry, which you know, people know about, people use on a daily basis. So in itself, that's great to see that being recognized. Uh, and also, of course, the fact that um, John Goodenough is very old and it was starting yeah. to look like he'd be one of those recipients who would unfortunately not live to get a Nobel Prize. But of and course, the other, the other reason I was so. pleased was because I had some material on it, um, which isn't usually the case, because for the Nobel Prize ones, I kind of committed myself, really, to doing graphics on the individual Nobel Prizes every year. Uh, and I try and commit myself to doing them on the day of the Nobel Prize being awarded as well, which in previous years has been, you know, pretty I wouldn't go as far as saying straightforward, but I've had the time, you know, I've got home from work, sat down, gone, okay, what, what was the prize for this year? Let's look at all the background information. Let's put something together. And it really is just a, you know, small, succinct summary of the, what the prize was awarded for because the Nobel Prize Foundation Committee publish all sorts of background information. But this year, slightly more challenging with a five-month-old baby, uh, as it turns mm. out. Uh, because you, you have to take breaks from making the graphic when, you know, although he's gone to bed, he's woken up and he needs to go back to sleep again. Uh, so, so that made it a bit more interesting. Uh, just about managed. Oh, well, good for you. Are you stay-at-home dadding a lot? Uh, no, I'm still back at work. Um, I'm probably, oh. I'd love, love to be just, you know, hanging out with, with baby all day. But yeah, I still get to see him in the evenings when I'm back, which is nice. And yeah, the graphic work has taking a little bit more of a backseat, but yeah, I seem, I'm, I'm just basically staying up quite late. <laughs> I get that. From leaves falling to lithium-ion batteries to uh, all the periodic tables, 
So is there like a list of to-dos that you have or just tell me a little bit about your process? Yeah, there is. So I've, I've got a kind of to-do list app on my phone, which I've repurposed as the, the list of things that I could do a graphic on. And those come from a variety of places, really. So some of them come from people who've emailed in and said, oh, could you do a graphic on this? Could you do a graphic on that? Um, you know, sometimes those don't go anywhere. So requests. You get requests. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so some come from that that area. Some just from things which come up every day, like some people come up in conversation. I think that's probably quite a good idea for a graphic and note it down. Uh, and then others still, you know, come from, you know, online people suggest things, um, news stories, things that come up and then, you know, there's a relevant graphic for that um, or just things that are going on in my life really. So lots of baby themed posts kind of half in the works in some cases. There was one on pregnancy tests a while back. There was one on, well, there's one on nappies in the works. I still haven't finished. Um, one on, someone wanted me to do one on baby poo. Ooh, ooh, please. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, we had pushed back on one of yours that we converted to uh, an animation, and it was that compound is in poo. And we went, oh, please, really? <laughs> so I will have to share that. We, oh, that comes to my next question. Do you, do you ever get pushback, like on certain things that might be somewhat controversial? And if you do, how do you handle that? Sometimes, yeah. So back kind of the, quite near to when I started the site actually in the first couple of years I did make some which were looking at slightly more controversial compounds in terms of ones which had a you know, prior reputation as not necessarily being good so for example monosodium glutamate and all the stories which surround that um, aspartame and all the stories which surround that and so I made some graphics looking at you know what was the truth behind those stories and what was the evidence actually which suggested one way or the other and I did get quite a bit of pushback on those just generally from the internet um, in, in the comments section. And as we all know, the comments section is a wonderful place where people only ever say nice things. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then some, generally some of the others, I mean, most of the time people are fairly, you know, fairly polite if they spot something that's an issue. You know, sometimes I do get things wrong in the graphics and try to very hastily correct them when I do. Um, other times people just, you know, disagree with the way that things are being presented. So there are cases where, you know, the essence of a graphic means that sometimes you have to pair things back to that simplest explanations and sometimes people get a little bit unhappy about that and say well actually you know there's this extra bit of detail and you have to explain what well, well yes of course there is but we can't fit all that detail into one tiny graphic but overall you know people are fairly, fairly positive about them which is which is really good and you know, the response is overwhelmingly positive online when I share them which is great you know as a making interactives chemists can be very picky i'm just going to say in general so we have to listen to everyone okay you're right maybe we need to think about that for later now here's another question there is a lot of people who aren't chemists who follow you even even my um, customer success specialist said her mother has sent her facebook pictures from you not knowing that we had anything to do with you so has there any been any surprises say from the non-chemistry folk who want certain things or like certain things like what is a what is a favorite among them 
I think probably one of the big favorites are things that focus on kind of colorful chemistry. So amongst the most popular ones on the site are things looking at the chemistry of the color of fireworks, which obviously has a kind of seasonal aspect as well when people are interested in finding out about it. The autumn leaves graphic looking at the different colors of autumn leaves and how they cycle around again, pretty popular year on year. So these kind of like overarching big phenomena that, you know, everybody experiences, I guess it is something that people find uh, unexpected connection with chemistry that they hadn't necessarily thought about before, but that appeals to them and actually they do find quite interesting. Yeah, actually I will say that I am married to an inorganic chemist and watching fireworks every year is a very different experience when we talk about, oh, that one's magnesium and that one's copper. And it's like, okay, we've heard this story before, but it is every single year we go through and it's fun. I mean, it really is fun. So here's another um, question. Um, I'll just go back with what we've been doing. So we've had so much fun. And I think it was about a year ago, this, this month, we decided to take your autumn leaves and animate it. We really didn't ask permission. We asked forgiveness after we built it, but we did ask before we posted it. Your feelings on our art, because we love trolling through your resources to come up with new ideas. Any favorites on that? I think the Autumn Leaves one was a big favorite, actually. Um, I think there was one um, a little while back. I like the more recent ones, which have been kind of like more animation, more 3D model style. So like the one on the uh, aroma of cut grass and things like that. But generally, I think it's a nice kind of additional way to, to communicate it, because of course you've got the graphics, which are quite a nice self-contained bit of information. But then the, the GIFs and the, the 3D model animations are a little bit more reach out and grab you, I guess, because, you know, there's no text. People can people engage with you know things which are moving around on their social feed, I guess. Uh, and yeah, so I really I think they're a really good complement to to the graphics and the, the things that you produce. Yeah, it's been fun. Actually, we had an intern this summer who did a lot of the 3D animations, and I I do think the cut grass um, with the lawnmower going around and the cloud circling around it. I thought it was really fun. So we've had fun doing that and we will continue to keep up with that. So I have a question. You sell your products on Redbubble. What, what's the best seller? Um, one of the best sellers is the fireworks one is up there. Um, flame colors. As a poster? Yeah, as a poster, um, and the okay. flame colors one as well. Um, I think there's one, uh, the one on which I did years ago, really close to the start of the site actually, which was, um, talking about kind of, I think it was like a rough guide to spotting bad science. That one's really popular as well, interestingly. I'm guessing a lot of people putting it up to display in places. I'm not sure, but, but yeah, that one's an oddly popular one. Um, and then, and, ooh, what else? Functional groups as well. Functional groups and amino acids also very popular. Well, that's very functional. Exactly, yeah. So the functional ones tend to be very popular as well as the ones which are, you know, the eye-grabbing, colourful firework ones. Right, right. So you have a, have you looked at your images over the years? Have they changed much or have you cha have you kept sort of this branding um, throughout the years and have you grown a little bit or changed the design as you go? A bit, yeah. So when I started off, I didn't have any graphic design experience whatsoever, really. I just kind of downloaded No, none. Um, my background was entirely in chemistry. Um, prior to that, before I'd done chemistry at university, I did 
A-levels in chemistry, physics, and English and maths, English being de very definitely the odd one out there. Um, so you sort of hacked your way into this? Essentially, yeah, I just kind of picked it up. And, you know, if there was something which I couldn't work out how to do, I essentially just, you know, tried to work out how to do it. If I couldn't, you know, had a look around on the internet, tried to work out, well, that's the kind of thing I want to do. How do I accomplish that? And so basically trial and error. Um, I think it probably shows a little bit on some of the earlier ones. Um, if you go right the way back to, you know, the beginning of the site, they do look a little bit rougher around the edges, that's for sure. So it, it has been developing, it has been developing over the course of, the years that the site's been running and I've even gone back to some of the older ones and tweaked the designs after you know I've developed a slightly what I think is a slightly smoother looking style and thought well actually let's go back and make that one look a little bit nicer. So what tools do you use? I have to ask just from a graphic design if, if somebody else wanted to try this what what tools are out there for somebody to design infographics like this? Um, the tools I use I use mainly Adobe products. So I use InDesign for piecing the graphics together, uh, Illustrator slightly less, but you know, for putting together icons and things if needed. I also use uh, ChemDraw for the chemical structures and the graphics when needed. And in addition to that, I also use a few places. So there are a few kind of for images for the graphics in terms of photos, there are quite a few public domain image sites. So I'll use those and try and find good isolated images or occasionally maybe take a photo if I can't find a picture of the particular thing I need. And the other site which is quite useful that I use quite a bit is uh, called The Noun Project, which is a repository of just simple icons and things. Uh, and it's quite good because it's a subscription-based site for using the icons, but then it saves you a bit of time. If you just want an icon for a simple thing, you know, rather than having to take the time to make it yourself, you can just go, right, okay, I want an icon of that. Brilliant, sorted. Oh, that's nice. You know, I actually have seen teachers, one of an assignment is to do an infographic on a chemist or a chemical structure. So taking your idea and then putting it into having students do that has, I've seen that regularly. And I think it's really neat because the students then have to do your same process of how to communicate um, chemistry and then get it out to each other and and I love the kind of projects that add a different layer to teaching chemistry and teaching um, concepts like this so I've seen that done and next week we're going to be interviewing Alex Spokoini at UCLA who actually takes it and has students do Wikipedia pages on different concepts in chemistry at higher level um, uh, college level chemistry, which I think is a nice segue for our next uh, podcast next week. So I think in closing, what have you learned about chemistry? And then since you have seen so many different aspects, what, this is a really interesting question, where do you think chemistry can go to solve problems? You know, just as a person who have done lots of different topics in chemistry, where are some hot button issues? Well, <laughs> small questions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, well, to start, start off with what I've learned, I guess, I mean, obviously I've learned graphic design through the course of doing it, which is nice. Um, um, and I've learned, you know, a whole host of different things about 
chemistry that I didn't know because of course you know through the course of learning chemistry you learn the theories and you know you you don't necessarily learn all these contextual based things and so you know I've learned a little bit about a lot <laughs> which is which is quite nice in terms enough of enough to be dangerous is what I've heard it's called exactly enough to have a useful offhand chemistry fact about most yeah. things so to entertain people with <laughs> right um yeah entertain slash bore depending on their disposition i guess uh in terms of what can chemistry do i guess it's there's loads of stuff that chemistry's already done you know it's it's delivered so many different advances in terms of you know supporting the world's population through fertilizers you've got various different medicines which are you know produced by chemists you've got various different things that we take for granted like contraception pills and things like that which chemistry has contributed to so i think you know part of what i do is really kind of trying to communicate those things which chemistry has already done for us and that maybe people don't realize the huge role that chemistry has played in that um in terms of where it's going i think it's it's really interesting currently because you know we've got a situation where chemistry's reputation perhaps isn't as bolstered as that of the other sciences you know you've got the big faces of physics you've got the you know the connection that people just generally seem to feel with biology and that connection really isn't there so much with chemistry and people maybe don't really get what it is about chemistry that you know they can connect to on an everyday level and so i guess that part part of what where chemistry i hope chemistry can go to is engaging more people with chemistry um, and hopefully that will lead to you know continuing to develop you know things which will help people going forward you know we saw the nobel prize this week was awarded to lithium-ion batteries there's still so much more that can be done in the advancement of those kinds of batteries or you know different types of batteries which can then lead us to be able to use them for you know increase increased battery life one thing that'd be nice um but also for new purposes for powering electric vehicles and things like that and that's something which is ongoing so i think right. that yeah hopefully that's that's where we're looking forward to we can get more people engaged with chemistry and you know get them excited about those kind of advances well it's that's great to end on that and as a a visual communicator of chemistry and and a cne news uh <laughs> contributor it's wonderful to open up my cne news every every month every week and i don't know how many but it's always fun to say oh i know andy so this has been a great conversation and we look forward to seeing what you come up with next um so thanks a lot andy thanks and it's been great talking to you thanks thank you for listening to ideas that matter Join us for next week's podcast as we talk to the University of Ottawa's professor, Alison Flynn, to discuss chemistry education research and the growth and goals needed to empower students through their journey in careers in chemistry. Be a part of our growing community. Join the discussion and follow us at Learn Alchemy on Instagram and Twitter. This podcast was created and published by Alchemy, edited by Liz Gross, produced by Tiffany Jones, and narrated by Donna Manchester.